The following is brought to you in part by MFC Studios. The views of the show's host and guests do not necessarily reflect those of the management, owners, or staff of this radio station. And now, it came from the radio. Once again, to a game from the radio, the official show of the Big Apple Con. This is your host, Mark Torres, speaking with me via social distancing. I have the life with Jennergies, uh, Jen Elise Feldy. Thank you for having me during the Corona Apocalypse. <laughs> Uh, this week, as we've been uh, doing, uh, we're having a, uh, a different show. We're having our, our, our news, as always, with uh, the life of Jenner G's, Jennerlise Feldes. We're going to have a Pronto Comics Comic Pick of the Week segment. Our senior correspondent, Charles Cialdino, will have his Quarantine Corner Movie Pick segment. And we'll also have our Indie Self-Promotion Spotlight segment. Um, Hopefully, uh, when things get back to normal, we'll go back to the studio and we'll have our quote-unquote regular show. But this is what we're going to be doing uh, for the foreseeable future. But before we do any of that, we have to take it away with the news. The news is brought to you in part by the fine folks of the Big Apple Con, of which we are the official radio show of, celebrating over 25 years of comic book stuff and pop culture -ness. For more information, go to www.bigapplect.com. Uh, their next convention, which is probably going to supposed to have happened by the time this airs, has been postponed, so you guys will get a chance to uh, get to the next convention. Um, they haven't announced a date yet. Um, but so just keep on listening to our show and or the www.bigapplecc.com for more information when the next convention is coming. And we want to do the shout-outs for our Patreons, of which there are Danny Grillo, award-winning director Jared Burrell, Two Sentence Horror, Kyle Horn, Millie Portez, Newsday Famous Drizzle Media, Unji Kun, and new father Shadow Rabbit Art. If you want your own little shout-out for uh, uh, just a dollar, one dollar a month, we'll get you a shout-out on our show. So you can help support our show during these trying times. We would greatly appreciate it. That's www.patreon.com and do a search for It Came From The Radio. Alright, so let's see what we got for the news. Sad news, as always, sad news first. Actor John Callahan died recently of a stroke. Uh, John appeared in such films as Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, M.A.D.D. Mad, Mothers Against Drug Drivers, Three's Company, When She Says No, The Original Fantasy Island, Hotel, Falcon Crest, Murder, She Wrote, Spin City, Desperate Housewives, Bone Eater, Dino Croc vs. Super Gator, I must see that movie, <laughs> Shark, Kansas Women in Prisons Massacre, <laughs> I can see that one too, just to name a few. Um, of note, John was perhaps best known for his extended run on multiple daytime soaps, such as General Hospital from 1984 to 1985, Santa Barbara from 1989 to 1992, All My Children from 1992 to 2005, and Days of Our Lives from 2008 to 2010. Were you a uh, soap opera fan there, Jennifer? 
Well, I gotta say, I, I just hope that before I die or when I die, I have such a diversified filmography like him. And he must feel very clean and smell good with all these soaps on his resume. <laughs> um, no, I've never, I like soap. I, I use three types of soap in the shower, on my body and my face. I just said that before the show. That's why I was late. But I never really got into watching soap. Not much. You use it, you don't watch it. Right. Gotcha. Right. <laughs> um, he was a uh, spry 66. He, he just passed that spry level. He's a spry 66. You love that word, spry. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, more sad news. More sad news. Accent. Accent? All right. Actor Vincent Marzello died recently. As of this recording, a no cause of death has been announced. Vincent appeared in such films as... The James Bond, The Spy Who Loved Me, the original Superman, James Bond, Never Say Never Again, John and Yoko, A Love Story, The Missing Reel, Witches, uh, The Witches, uh, Velvet Goldmine, Laws of Attraction, and Just Cause Part 2, just to name a few. Uh, more recently, Vincent perhaps was best known for his role as Farmer Pickles and Robert in the Bob the Builder animated TV series and direct-to-home release movies. Uh, you ever watch uh, Bob the Builder? Um, I call my dad Bob the Builder. The way he walks and moves around, he's very stocky. But The Witches was a big part of my childhood. I love that. And that's a great, great, excellent movie to watch now if you're stuck home in the corn apocalypse. Highly recommend it. If you don't like it, come to me personally. <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely co-signing that one. That was the one where the, the, the girl got turned, it was a boy or girl got turned to a rat, right? I think it was a boy got turned to a rat. Yeah, a very cute girl and... I forget the main actress who's she's always plays a villain, and I play characters like that. Actually, it's a well done movie. It's so much fun. It's a little scary. Uh, Roll Doll. It's an adaptation of Roll Doll movie. Let's see if uh, the internet can help us with uh, the actress. Oh, um, uh, da, da, da. oh, Angelica Houston. Yes. <laughs> there you I go. Forget that. Yes. Good. Good job, internet. <laughs> yes. Right. You're fast. So he was a spry sixty-eight. Moving on for more, last bit of sad news. Here we go, last bit of sad news. Um, Harlem Globetrotters legend Fred Curley Neal has also died recently. Also, as of this recording, no cause of death has been released. For those of you who do not know, the Harlem Globetrotters are an American exhibition basketball team. They combine athleticism, theater, and comedy in their style of play. Over the years, they have played more than 26,000 exhibition games in 124 countries and territories. At its height of its popularity, during the 70s and 80s, the Globetrotters had their own cartoon show and crossed over with Scooby-Doo, as well as the cast of Gilligan's Island in a live-action reunion movie in 1981. Uh, Curly was perhaps the most recognizable of the team, spending 22 years playing in more than 6,000 of those uh, 26,000 games. Um, of note, his number 22 jersey was retired in 2008 and was only one of five players to receive that honor from the Globetrotters. Were you uh, familiar with the Globetrotters? Are you a Globetrotters fan? When I was younger, when I was younger, I do like the mixture of working out and athleticism and theater and comedy, which is kind of my life, so I relate to it. And this, he's an inspiration. Wow. So, growing up in the 70s and 80s, and I'm still growing now, I would, I would guess to say, um, I was a, a Old Trotters fan, and seeing them on Gilligan's Island and Scooby-Doo, that was, that was the main thing. I was like, wow, holy crap, these guys. So, I thought that they were like a real basketball team. Me too. <laughs> and then I found out that they were like a, an ex a exhibition team, but I did find out recently, while doing research on this article, 
that the games are 70% legitimate. So the, the team they play against, the generals, who usually lose, actually play the game as if they're playing a game, but they let them do their, their, their stuff during the game. So oh, I always wondered which, how that worked. Yeah, so because of which, one time it has been recorded that the Globetrotters lost because they were busy doing their antics and they lost track of the time on the clock and the time ran out and the, and the other team won. <laughs> oh, wow, that's really fun. That's a fun fact. Yeah, I never really understood it. I was like, is this real? Is this comedy? Like, what's going on here? So I guess it's a predetermined game, but they with real sports sports uh, basketball figures. That's, it's that's like wrestling on the basketball court. Yeah, that's a good a good way of looking at it, yeah. But Curly yeah. was the man, and Curly, as as they as the Curlies back in the day, had no hair. That was the the joke. So he was a a spry seventy seven. Okay, had a good life then, or hopefully. Well, hopefully, hopefully, yes. Hopefully, at least on paper, it sounds good. You never know. That's that's true. As we were just talking about the written word, you never know. Yeah, you never know. So much miscommunication. Uh, moving along to the, uh, I would say, not as sad news, because we're, we're, I don't know if we can get to happy news now, it just is not I as sad. I don't know. Um, from the Sports Star Fans Department, speaking of, of wrestling, WWE, which is still airing new episodes each week, has decided to start to pre-record all shows, as the outcomes have always been predetermined. Spoiler alert. Um, as of this recording, no live events have been scheduled until May 1st, but with things being how they are, that very much likely will be changed. For those of you not paying attention, WWE have been airing mostly quote-unquote live shows since all sports have been canceled. So that's about a month and, and change now. Um, but slowly started to air more and more pre-recorded segments filmed with no audience in their uh, performance center. So what they did was they started to have their shows in front of a live audience, aired it live, and every once in a while, as far as I know, when they recorded stuff in the United Kingdom, they recorded it and then they aired it quote-unquote live in the United States. But now, because there's no fans, they can just start recording stuff whenever they want and make it as it's a live event. Um, so as of this recording, uh, no WWE wrestler has officially been diagnosed with the coronavirus, although some has been placed in quarantine. Um, this weekend, as of this recording, which is April Fool's Day, uh, April 1st, and no jokes here, um, WrestleMania is supposed to be this weekend. So what they have been doing has been recording parts of that uh, show beforehand. So they'll, they'll air it as quote-unquote live, but it's already all pre-recorded. Are you a, a fan of WWE or wrestling at all? I am. Yeah, I was actually supposed to do interviews at New York Wrestling Connection on Saturday for my buddy Louis Ocasio, and uh, I'm a big fan of his. Well, my question is, are they going to be doing Bubble Boy wrestling? Because <laughs> are they going to dress up in bubbles? Like, how, how is wrestling going to go on? This is actually a thought of mine almost every day since it started, because this is a contact sport, and I'm, I'm not really for contact sports myself. I like a three-foot radius between me and who I touch. Um <laughs> But how, how, is, how is this going to go on if be people become afraid to touch one another? Well, I'm guessing they could do full-on costumes as the women do in the Saudi Arabia shows. I mean, that's one way to do it. Um, like full-on hazmat suit wrestling? <laughs> hazmat wrestling, bubble wrestling. And you know what's funny? It, you, until you mention it right now, I completely forgot about the movie Bubble Boy. <laughs> and of course, the $500, $500! <laughs> 
There's a kid that has supposedly courted a girl on TikTok or online using a bubble costume. And he went to her house, and that, that's dating. There's a video how dating is now in this world we live in. It's bubble dating. But how do you get to the, the, the important part of the dating in the bubble costume? That's, that's what I want to know. Uh, you mean buying things for me? Yeah, you just swipe your credit card. That's what you do. That's, 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 that can happen. He can, the, he can use Venmo. That's the Venmo important me. part of the, of the relationship? I'm talking about the wrestling part of the relationship. That's, oh, <laughs> oh I, I don't know. This is weird. I, we must live in different worlds. I don't know about this part. <laughs> See, this, this, is, this is right here, the difference between men and women. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Why do you think my boyfriend was six years younger? Hello. It's just a piece of meat. I, I don't care what's upstairs. And, and he's broke. So, oh, excuse me. Beep, beep. Oh, my beep God. Me out. You <laughs> oh, my God. Now the editor. I'm sorry, editor. I'm sorry, editor. Sorry, one. I did my first one. <laughs> one. All right. You have 36 more to go. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Uh. So I, yeah, I'm passionate about being dispassionate about money. I guess so. <laughs> so so going back to wrestling, I think it's a good idea that they're doing the pre-recorded stuff. I think they should actually, you know, in lieu of this, because it's going to be a while before there's going to be an audience in mind. So they should be able to actually make it like a, a, a more of a production and more of a show and really yeah. amp up the, the, the um, theatrics of it. And I think it would actually be good for the, uh, the product. Because then when they come back to a live thing, they can still air pre-recorded stuff, as they have done. But the, the production values would be even better. You'd be like watching Rocky, you know, for wrestling. That's, that's how I see this going. True. That's true. Yeah, that's true. You could do more theatrics when there's not an audience there. You don't have to worry about them and cater to a live crowd. They yeah. could do it more like film. Yeah. They could actually cross into movies. So, so, so there could be a silver lining. Yeah. Uh, so moving on, uh, from the follow-up department, we, we rarely have this department from, from the follow-up department. As previously mentioned, Diamond Distributors, which is the only major comic distributor for mostly all comics in the U.S., has stopped delivery of comics to comic book stores, leaving them essentially to fend for themselves when it comes to getting new product. Uh, now, to make matters worse, most major comic publishers has announced that they will no longer make new comics until Diamond is back up and running. Uh, Marvel says, as you understand, sadly, there will not be any new print titles readily available at your stores today. Marvel will likewise not be launching any new comic titles digitally on April 1st. This is a fluid scenario with information altering each day, so we will value persistence and understanding of all of us browse our method through this. As soon as more info is readily available, we will distribute, uh, we'll describe our long-term strategies and chances to support you and the market. Modified release dates for our future titles will be shared in the upcoming weeks. Uh, DC, on the, on the flip side, well, it's actually on the same side, says, first, the entire team here at DC hopes that you, your family, and your employees are staying safe and healthy during this very tough and precarious times. Periodicals and books and in-store dates between March 18th, 2020, and June 24th, June 24th, will be fully returnable. We'll even provide credit for your separate return shipping of these items only. Additionally, because we anticipate that continued disruption in the business operation will create regional volatility, DC is exploring a multi-distributor model to provide us with the flexibility needed during this crisis to get new content to the readers on an ongoing basis. In the short term, we continue to engage in active conversations with Diamond to help us solve the distribution issues that have arisen in hopes to get new products to stores that want or need it as soon as possible. We will provide additional information about how we'll make that happen in the upcoming days, 
Thank you for your part. Your patience with us. DC will continue to monitor the situation. Continue speaking to you directly and continue to support you through the days ahead. You are the lifeblood of the industry. Whew. Um, yeah, so that's a lot. Basically, what's going on is that the, they're trying to figure out how to send product out to stores directly, if that's possible, the stores that are still open. Um, how, how things are going, the stores are slowly closing down, and because they have new products, stores are also closing down. And as we mentioned in last week's uh, show, previous show, how the whole comic book industry works, that you have to order it three months in advance. So stuff that they paid for in order is not coming in because the distributor has, like, not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's very sad, and this world is changing, but it's crazy how they have to adapt to the fact that sheets of toilet paper are now more valuable than the pages in their comic books. That's what's happening here. What they should do is start selling the comic books as toilet paper, and they'll be sick. Well, some of us have been using them as toilet paper for a long time. So it's nice to see everyone catching up. No, in all seriousness, it's very sad, and I do think we'll get back to normal. It just might take a few months. Yeah. Uh, so speaking about things getting back to normal, from the can it get any worse department? <laughs> Why, yes, it yeah, can. Yeah, it can. It can. Um, in addition to all that we had just mentioned, Diamond Distributors has announced that they will no longer be paying its vendors for products, essentially shutting down all parts of its company. Executives say the unfortunate truth is that we are no longer receiving consistent payment from our customers which is the comic book stores. Uh, this requires that at this time we hold payments to vendors, which are the, the companies that make the stuff, previously scheduled to release this week. This is a difficult decision and not one we make lightly. As the situation continues to evolve, we are committed to building out a, payment, a plan for payment, which will have more information to share later this week. So in other words, the middleman, which is Diamond, is not only not delivering any products to the comic book stores, but they're holding on to the money that they received for product that, that hasn't shipped yet. So you make the order from the comic book store. You pay the distributor for the orders, which are three months in advance. I don't get that part. The distributor says, hey, they go to um, the, the comic book companies. These are the orders. Here's the money for these orders. And they give them their money minus their cut. The comic book stores, uh, the comic book companies make the product, send it to the distributor, distributor sends it to the comic book store, comic book companies, the comic book stores make their money. That's how it works. Okay. So now, the middleman is saying, we're not going to give you stuff, and we're not going to give back the money that you paid for us for stuff that's not coming, and we're not going to pay the comic book companies that are making the stuff, because we need our money. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Yeah, that's, that's when I have a hard time wrapping my mind around. Maybe they're just trying to stay afloat in this time, so they're holding on to everything they can. Otherwise, they might have to liquidate. Maybe that's what they're facing. It's either hold on or liquidate. That's my guess. I mean, I mean, yes, it is an unprecedented situation, but just from, from, the, from the comic book companies and the comic book store's point of view, like... That's, the, that's, that's, that's insane. That's, that's, that's not only just putting the knife in, that's turning the knife and then repeatedly stabbing you again and turning the knife. Like, that's, yeah, it's a little Antifa. It's a little fascist. Uh, it's, it's, it's bad. It's bad. So hopefully, like, I don't know if, if comic book stores. I know the comic book companies might be able to come back from this because, you know, the way things are. But the comic book stores, that's, that's going to be rough. So hopefully they'll be able to make some money on those back issues that we had mentioned in an earlier show to keep them afloat until they get like they get they get their own bailout or the small businesses you know get that money. I hope so. Yeah. Uh, 
But this is actually some, some this is actually some good news, some happy news right now. All right. So from the remote learning department, the Cooper School has announced that for the first time in its history, we'll be offering an online studies program to the general public beginning April 15th. The courses being offered are narrative art taught by Tom Mandrake, who has uh, done the Spectrum, uh, inking by Joe Prado, who's uh, worked on Superman, script writing for comics taught by Amy Chu, who's uh, done Red Sonia, and basic drawing taught by Fernando Ruiz, who's done Archie Comics. Uh, each class will meet once a week over the course of six weeks. Executives say this is a wonderful opportunity to be able to share the specialized curriculum taught at the Cooper School with people who are looking to break into the industry. The instructors, the instructors, the instructors involved are some of the best working professionals today, and I am so proud to be involved with the launch of this new program. For those of you who don't know, uh, the Cooper School was founded by comic legend Joe Cooper in 1976. It is one of a kind, accredited three-year vocational comic book school taught by professionals in the comic book industry, with a max student body of no more than 150 students. So that's in total at any given time. So that way they can really focus on the on the students. Um, I actually, there have been offshoots of uh, comic book schools, which I was a part of one that was a fledgling one that lasted a year and a half. Actually, yeah, a year and a half. This was back in the 90s. So that was to that. But this is an accredited uh, three-year school. Um, the, the downside is that it was very expensive, which is why I didn't go there. And I wanted to go into this other one. Um, each line, each online course costs a special introductory rate of $175 for six weeks. Uh, that sounds like a lot to me. I mean, the, the, it, the, it's, it's cost versus value, but $175 for a six weeks course just seems uh, a lot. Mm, all relevant. Relative, relevant. Right. Um, for more information, go to www.kubertschool.edu. Um, since you're not a, much of a comic person, were you even familiar of the Cooper School at all? Oh, I was just thinking of Stanley Kubrick. I was thinking, you know, they could blend together, and that would be a very interesting comics people would roll out. Maybe <laughs> Eyes Wide Shut comics. I would I would check that out. That would be interesting. It'd be the Kubrick Kubert School. <laughs> exactly. I'm all about it. All about it. How, how much would those, would those uh, classes be? Oh, my God, a bazillion dollars. And Stanley Kubrick supposedly wasn't really the nicest guy. So I would love to have him as a teacher, though. I, I've done well having some uh, militant teachers. So it would be like a, a cross between, uh, what's that uh, that show with the guys yelling at people, the, the cooking show? Oh, oh, God, no. I don't know. Uh, there's a documentary about Stanley Kubrick's, I think, main assistant, and he seems a little scary. He seemed a little scary. So, yeah, so that would be an interesting uh, thing to see. <laughs> uh, yeah. So moving yeah. on, let's see. We have uh, from the not-very-fantastic-at-all department. Police, those, those coppers, are on the lookout for a man who stole three rare Fantastic Four comics, issues number one, two, and 13, from a comic book store recently. Seems that the comics were in a briefcase, and the man carrying them was an assaulted, and the comics were taken. Police did manage to arrest one of them, one of the suspects, but the other one, along with the comics, which are valued at $50,000, is still at large. So, yeah, that's, that's not good. Yeah, this is the Van Gogh painting of the comic book world. We got the Van Gogh painting stolen, I think, in Egypt from a museum that was closed. And this is just straight off a of man. Where was this man? Do you know where this man was? He, what was, state in he, was, a comic, he was in a comic book store. So in I'm guessing that he New was... In New York? Um... It doesn't say on the news I have here. 
Well, if it is, then we can start pushing the bailout narrative. <laughs> say, you, you say, don't do this bailout because now you're ruining the comic book world. So it's 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 crazy how it's like a heist, just like a yeah. man with a briefcase with important comics. But then you know these comics are so rare that unless they're going to be sold on the black market, everybody knows that they're where they come from. So it's an interesting uh, a little thing. Like, what would you do with the comic book value of fifty thousand dollars that you can't sell? It's worthless, realistically. Unless like, the man in the briefcase was staging this. Oh yeah, someone stole it from me, and <laughs> he took it himself. That's that's uh, also possible. Who knows, right? Who knows? I guess time will tell. So speaking of uh, stuff that's costing a lot of money from the... That's a lot of nuts! ...department. Um, Alex Raymond's original Sunday comic strip artwork for the very first Flash Gordon appearance has sold for a record-setting price of $480,000 via auction. For those of you who didn't know, uh, the strip was originally published in January 7th of 1934 in newspapers uh, nationwide. Uh, the Flash Gordon has gone on to be a subject of numerous cartoons, movie serials, and a movie, as well as a TV series. Um, I was a huge fan of the, the Flash Gordon TV series uh, and movies, but um, that was actually the inspiration for uh, the Indiana Jones movies, the serials of the, of the 30s and 40s. Um, were you a fan of uh, Flash Gordon? Indiana Jones, yeah. So I, I'm not I'm not a $480,000 auction fan <laughs> of Flash Gordon. I mean, unless they can clean my house, perhaps that would make sense. So the clean the house. So the comic, the the artwork alone right. isn't worth it, but the clean the house is worth it. Yeah, the artwork can come alive and clean my house while I'm sleeping. Then that might be worth it. <laughs> if it comes alive and sleeping, that's a, mm -hmm. all right. Um, <laughs> the, the original art is pencil and ink on a 28 by 30 uh, by 23 illustration board. So it's a big piece of uh, artwork. But maybe that's something that should be stolen. See, that's something I might want to steal, and but, I can weigh out all the work I've lost during this Corona apocalypse. Four hundred and eighty thousand dollar auction. That's that's mind boggling to me. Like we, we've we've talked about this before on the show, which uh, now that you're a part of, we can talk about it. Like, what do you do with that? Like, you, exactly. you put it up on your wall or not, and you're like, hey, that's 480,000 pieces of artwork. And like, great. Like, you, you I know. <laughs> Maybe you, you just stare at it. Maybe, like, it does something to your eyeballs. Because I, I always talk about I get a little bit of a dopamine rush when I see certain things because I'm so visually stimulated. And it, it is a high. So <laughs> perhaps people have this visual high like I do, and it's valued at $480,000. Were you one of those people that want, that looked at those um, those images, that you see an image within an image? Were you one of those people that just stared at it for hours trying to see the other image? Uh, I don't know what that is. That sounds like the Russian, the Russian doll really? things. So, um, uh, back in the 90s, there was... Like the 3D a, art? The magic eye stuff? Yeah. No. Yeah. I tried it. I never could do it. I, I'm more staring at, you know, pretty people. I, I like to uh, look at pretty faces and people and nature and... Yeah, my house decorations. So you yeah, are like uh, uh, the Bob Ross type thing. I guess so. Yeah, I like to um, I like to objectify humans. So sure, Bob Ross. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so speaking of expensive comics, for our last bit of news from the everything included the kitchen sink department. Soft bees. I don't even know how to pronounce that. S O T H E B Y S. Soft bees. Soft bees. Soft bees. I think so. 
uh, one of the world's largest brokers in fine art and decorative art, jewelry and real estate and collectibles, has announced that they are having an auction of the Ian Levine collection of DC Comics, which is the most comprehensive collection in the 80-year span of DC Comics. The collection contained over 40,000 comics separate issues, with complete runs of every comic published by DC from 1935 to 2014. Auction House says, <clears throat> The Ian Levin Collection is the holy grail for comic collectors. Amassed over decades of hunting, Levine's collection embodies a passion and fame fandom that has defined comics and culture for generations, which today has best encapsulated by not only the printed issues, but by popular superhero films, that are regularly break box office record, featuring some of the most valuable individual books as well as extremely rare promotional issues. The Levine Collection includes all of DC heroes that are among the world's most recognizable and versatile pop culture touchstones in the world. Oof, for those of you keeping track, uh, we reported way back on our show in 2010, Detective Comics number 27, which was the first appearance of Batman, sold for a record-breaking $1.75 million. And in 2014, Action Comics number 1, which is the first appearance of Superman, sold for $3.2 million. And we just talked about the other uh, piece of artwork, which sold for $480,000. So how much do you think, Jennifer, would the entire collection of 40,000 comics, which include those two books that we just mentioned, would be worth? Honestly, I, I'm going to be honest with you. All I can, all I was picturing while you're talking the whole time was just the Ian Levine collection at Bed Bath and Beyond because it sounds like a bedspread collection <laughs> that perhaps I would have liked in my college days. It sounds like maybe a nice Jewish mom. Well, the Ian Levine collection. Look at my bedspread with nice tassels and the paisley print. And I'm sorry, I lost all of that. That's all I was thinking of, just decorating some schmaltzy, crazy house. So they need to, to rename it something else. <laughs> It doesn't sound like a comic book. It sounds like the Bed Bath & Beyond product. Uh, it's, so, so in essence, in short, it's, it's a giant, most comprehensive collection of comic books of 40,000 comics from 1935 to 2014, full run. Maybe they should name like the Brock Lesnar, the Brock, the Brock Sauce collection. I don't know. It sounds more comic booky than Ian Levine. I feel like Ian Levine wants to invite me for brunch on Sunday. Well, that's the guy's name. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sorry. It just doesn't make sense. It's not working for me. Um, well, okay then. Um, so yeah, so that's it. That's it for you. I'm, I'm sure we will report on how much this collection was sold for if it does get sold, because. Times, times are tough, but people are buying $480,000 worth of artwork, so who knows. Uh, so yes, <laughs> that's it for this week for the news. Um, like I said, we'll be getting to the other parts of the show after we take our break. So um, that's it for right. the news. So thank you, Jennifer, for joining us. And, thank you for uh, teaching me something during this apocalypse. I, I do my best. So uh, we'll, we'll take our break and be right back with It Came From the Radio. Need a break. That was tough. Hi, this is Sue Lee from Face Off Season 2. You're listening to It Came From The Radio. Hi, you've heard my voice open and close the show. Now we want to hear your voice. If you have a business or product, you can record a commercial here. We offer 30 and 60 second spots. For more information, contact Mark at MFC underscore studios at hotmail.com. Hey guys, this is Christy from Custom Cakes by Christy. I want you to know that I'm here for you. I'm keeping my private kitchen open for any needs your family may have. I've been focusing on bread, soups, muffins, quiches, and other basics, but I'm still accepting dessert orders as well. 
Please follow my Facebook for immediate pickup items. Private message me for custom orders. Custom Cakes by Christy, I-N-C-K-R-I-S-T-Y. Text me at 631-606-8166. This is Quentin Flynn, a popular voice actor known for Axel, Tamon, uh, and Ryden from the Metal Gear series. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Stick around. Now, back to our show. Hey everyone, it's Pete from Fat Guy Inc. Just dropping in to say hi, see how everyone's doing, and hope you're all doing really well. We're going to be with you guys again soon. I know this whole thing has interrupted everything that's been going on in our normal convention scene and things like that, but have no fear, we're still here for you. Uh, I want to take this opportunity on behalf of Fat Guy Inc. to thank Mark and the crew from It Came From The Radio for allowing us to do this. It's very cool of you. We appreciate it. Um... Fat Guy Inc., as well as many of your other artists out there, are still producing art and we're still getting things done for you. So have no fear. Obviously, with the social distancing and the quarantine and everything, we're doing things a little bit different. Unfortunately, there are no conventions to go to for the next couple of weeks, but that's okay. A lot of us have been going live on our social media and having little mini meet and greets and stuff like that. We've been taking commissions and doing things over our social media and our websites as well. So... That's definitely somewhere you want to check your favorite artist out and see what they're doing. I guarantee you they're on their social media making things happen. And Fat Guy Inc. is doing the same thing. So, in case you need to remember where to go find us, right now the three best places to go are Instagram and Twitter. There's three Instagrams and one Twitter for you. First, you can go to the Fat Guy Inc. Instagram, Fat Guy Inc. 2014. F-A-T-G-U-Y. INC 2014. That's where you can communicate with Brendan and I, and you can find out all sorts of things and get some commissions or pick some stuff up. Whatever you need, we got you. We answer that all the time. Secondly, you can go to Brendan's Instagram. That's Bacons223, B A C O N S 223. Or you can go to mine, my Instagram, excuse me, and you can check me out. That's Pete11717. P-E-A-T-11717. That's also my Twitter handle, and I'm pretty active there, too. So if you want to catch me on Twitter, same thing. Um, we have a ton of things for you. We have our normal list of prints. They're all over there. We have tons of paintings and mini canvas. We have dozens upon dozens upon dozens of blank sketch covers and some that have already been done, so you can check those out. And as always, we're taking commissions. So if you want us to do something for you, we can get it done for you no problem whatsoever we've been very busy adding more things and creating more things for you guys and we can't wait to see you all again i know not yet but that's okay we'll be together again really soon at a show having a great time looking at cosplay and having a ball but until then the best way to catch us and the best way to interact social media fat guy inc 2014 bacons 223 pete 11717 hit us up come find us even if it's just to hang out and say hi. We miss you guys, and we hope you miss us too. We'll see you soon, guys, and thanks a lot from Pete and Brendan and everybody at Fat Guy Inc. Thank you very much. Hey, it's Marissa Jade, your favorite mob wife, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hi, everyone. This is Pronto Comics' own Dominic Sperano, and it is once again time for... My comic book pick of the week. Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman, 
just like last week, this week's pick of the week is brought to you by... Now, you may be wondering why I started off the pick of the week with Wonder Woman. We're not discussing Wonder Woman today, but what we are going to be discussing is George O'Connor's Olympians series. And obviously there's a connection to Wonder Woman in that because Wonder Woman comes from the Amazons and Hippolyta, who obviously all are in Greek myth. So that was my way of referencing what we were going to be talking about today. I've known George for some time. I love these books. These books are so beautifully drawn, so wonderfully told, um, the stories in them, that I really highly recommend getting them. Currently, I have books one through four in the series and seven and nine. So that is Zeus, Athena, Hera, Hades, Ares, and Artemis. Uh, If you're interested in all the books that he has available, you can always go to his website georgeoconnorbooks.com backslash olympians there you can see that he has the ones i've just mentioned as well as poseidon aphrodite apollo hermes and hephaestus i can't say enough and rave enough about these books and the reason why is i love greek myth greek myth is really a lot of the beginnings of superheroes Um, i mean all superheroes are coming from myth but you know, this is where you really start getting into defined powers and purposes of these particular characters. And what you really see in the way that he tells these stories is a some real connections to the current myths that we love, whether it be the hero's journey, um, Batman, Superman, or Star Wars. Okay, and I'm going to go through a couple of, ex- of examples through these books and break down other things that I think are really fantastic about them. I'm st- picking these as well because if you have a kid, I'd say anywhere over 10, these are pretty good primers to get them interested in sort of classics and mythology. But in the words of the great LeVar Burton, But you don't have to take my word for it. And I say that and quote that because some parents may find these are still just slightly too mature for maybe a 10-year-old. Maybe you want to wait till, you know, you have a 12 or a 13-year-old. It is Greek mythology. George does a great job of making it really acceptable for young audiences, but there is such things as people having children together and uh, how that came about. So you may want to wait for your kid to be 11 or 12. That being said, these are definitely meant for young audiences. I would not necessarily read them word for word to a 5-year-old, But they're very good. They're really good. George goes around to numerous different libraries, obviously before the self-isolation and quarantine, discussing Greek myths, discussing how he came up with these. He's really uh, a big fan of libraries and educators um, and is, in a way, an educator himself. So these are definitely kid-friendly, older kid-friendly books. Okay, So I want to start first off with the first book, Zeus king of the gods um if you are really interested in heroes journeys origin stories this is right up your alley so if you really love superheroes it's it's very good what this book does is basically give you the bedrock of all the greek myths and the foundation of how they were to come it goes over uh the creation of the earth it goes over gaia and uh uranus it goes over chronos his overthrowing of his father, uh, the origin story, obviously, of Zeus, the uh, battles that the Olympians fought against the Titans, and 
basically a lot of hero's journey that happens within it. One thing that I truly love about every single one of these books, though, and I might be jumping the gun on this, is that at the back of the book, you have numerous notes from George. Um, you have author's notes. You have notes on why he wanted to do it. You have little sections about each of the primary players of the book. In this case, you have Zeus. You've got the Cyclopses. Uh, you have Metis, which is Zeus's first wife. So it gives a lot of different information, educational information that's really good. It has notes on the panels and how he came up with the idea, uh, how to draw the panels. Uh, even in the back of it, there's an about this book page that is that literally says for discussion. So, number one, Zeus's dad tries to eat him. Has your dad ever tried to eat you? Uh, no, but my dad would steal the food off my plate constantly. Um, so there's a lot of things, especially for people out there who are having to now become teachers of their own children and uh, homeschool them. So these are wonderful resources for that purpose. And also there's a bibliography so you can understand where he got his source material from. Uh, also recommended for younger readers and for older readers. So if you wanted to expand upon your knowledge of the Greek myths, it's a great way to do it. After reading that, there's also the next book in the series is Athena, Gray-Eyed Goddess. Wonderful book. It really goes into all the different kinds of myths that Athena is attributed to from her origin story, which is not very long, uh, as well as how she became the goddess of military wisdom, uh, the different fights she would get into, um, as well as her role with Perseus and Medusa and the Pegasus. So it's really quite good, especially good for you know young ladies, girls, who are looking for possible role models and affirmations. I really would recommend this book as well. Again, it has extra material in the back about the characters, uh, the for discussion, so, again, great, great material to if you're having to homeschool your child. Book number three in the series is Hera, the Goddess and Her Glory. I can't really say this has a lot to do with Hera. There are not really a lot of great myths about Hera. If anything, this has a little bit more to do with Heracles, or as you would probably know him today. Hercules, of course, being uh, Heracles' Roman name and obviously the one that people know him the most for. It goes over the 12 labors of Heracles. It also explains why he's called Heracles, which means uh, for the glory of Hera. It was his way of trying to make amends for his father Zeus, always skipping out on Hera. The next book that is in the series is Hades. Really great uh, telling of the classic Hades and Persephone story. There's not a lot of myths about Hades, but man, this is a really, really great one. And probably the primary myth of Hades that really goes into the beliefs of the Greeks in the underworld and what happens after you die. And also, of course, um, why we have seasons in the world. After that, I have Ares, uh, bringer of war. It's interesting because it, it really takes 
on the Trojan War more so than the story of Ares, but it looks at the Trojan War from the Greek Olympian perspective. Oftentimes we see the Trojan War obviously by the principal players on the ground, like Agamemnon, Menelaus, uh, Achilles, Hector, Priam, Paris, etc., etc., etc. This has really got to do more with how the gods looked at the war and almost as if these people were chess pieces, which you really don't see. Again, you see movies like Troy that really just ignore the god aspect of it. Um, and this is really straight from the gods' perspective. So it's it's a fascinating telling, and you get to see the gods squabble over the Greeks and the Trojans fighting. It's really, really interesting. And then the final book that I have of the series so far, but definitely not the last book I'm going to buy, is Artemis. And I really didn't know a lot about Artemis. Um, I, I really didn't. I didn't. I didn't know a lot about Artemis in terms of her myths, but this goes into several different myths about her and you know her origin story and how she is the twin sister of Apollo. And I can't help but think that George Lucas got his initial his initial inspiration for Luke and Leia from this myth you know it's it it's a f- brother and a sister born uh f- with an absentee father and a mother who suffers and they grow up to be divine i mean it it's pretty you know it, it it's pretty indicative of of Luke and Leia in Star Wars um it also goes into Orion um and what's really interesting actually in the back and harkens to the beginning of the pick of the week it states here in the back artemis's roman name diana remains a popular name to this day notable dianas include diana the princess of wales and diana prince the civilian identity of comic book character wonder woman so again there are a lot of parallels and you can see a lot of beginnings of the modern comic book age in the greek myths now if you're interested in buying these uh, I looked online. I can't quite find a digital download, and I even asked George about it, and he would prefer for you to have the books in your hand. If you want to get them, there are several stores that are in the New York City area that will ship them to you. Uh, for instance, you could go to worldbookstores.com. They do pickup and delivery, there, and you can follow them on Twitter, Twitter, uh, Word Bookstore at Word Bookstores. There's GreenlightBookstore.com. They will ship, and it's at Greenlight B K L Y N on Twitter. And there's BooksAreMagic.net, and they will also ship to you at BooksAreMagicBK. Now I'm I don't know if they're still shipping with the current self isolation. I certainly hope they are. If you're interested, also uh, in more about George O'Connor and the Olympians. Like I said, you can go to georgeoconnorbooks.com. You can also go to the publisher, which is first, second. But you really, as far as I can tell, you really can't buy books directly from them. Certainly, you can also just always follow George on Twitter. And his Twitter handle is... George the Mighty. <laughs> I love that Twitter handle. And if you want to ask him more about the books and where you can get them, you can always like tweet at him and he can get back to you. So that is the pick of the week this week. 
Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this week's pick. Please remember you can go and check out my own personal webcomic at fishysarcasm.com. You can become a Patreon of the comic. It's only $1 a month. It's the least expensive Patreon out there. I promise you that. Also, please go and check out prontocomics.com. We have plenty of comics for download. And always remember... Logic clearly dictates that the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few or the one. So be safe and be healthy. Take care. This is Gray Griffin, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hi, this is Jaybird and Lee, and we're here to talk about movies, music, TV, and what's going on in our part of the world. Today, we're going to talk about the movie Coraline. Yeah, the movie Coraline, which is like a film we thought, totally thought had, um, was directed by Tim Burton. And realizing after looking it up, it is not directed by Tim Burton. It was directed by Henry Selleck. The, uh, one reason why we thought that it was a um, Tim Burton film is because it had that feel of what, that Corpse Bride feel. and Yeah, it had the sort of creepy, eerie feel and it had also the doll looking feel. Yeah, the doll-looking feel, like even A Nightmare Before Christmas. But from what I saw on the IMDb page is that it actually had Danny Elfman do part of the music. And he does almost all the music for Tim Burton. So I thought that was pretty cool. At least, you know, we get, that's one of the re- one of the other reasons why we thought this was a Tim Burton movie. But it's it's not. and um, But we love it. So <laughs> it's actually cool, right? Yeah. So what's it about? Um, it's basically about this 11-year-old girl. She, um, <clears throat> she moved in with her parents to a, I guess, like, sort of an eerie, um, hotel that you could rent out, and they're living there. And then she discovers this little door, and basically it shows it's an alternative world. It's like sort of her world on the flip side, except she has a perfect life, nothing is wrong, Right, because I think she was, like, totally miserable in the house that she was living in. Mm -hmm. And then she finally, like, found this kind of corner in her house, uh, in the attic or something like that, or a room. And she went to uh, this alternate universe where it was the same characters, but they had these creepy, what, button eyes? Yeah, they had button eyes, and they weren't actually, they were all controlled by the mother, which, like, the quote-unquote mother, or as they say in the movie, other mother. The other mother? Yeah, they call her the other mother. <laughs> okay, that's pretty funny. The other mother from a different planet, I guess. Um, yeah, so um, it was pretty good, though. What was one of your favorite parts of the film? I think one of my favorite parts, I don't know, I love when she meets YB. Who's YB? He's one of the characters in the film. Yeah, what does he do? He, um... What's he look like? I don't remember. He has curly brown hair. And I don't know how else to describe him. Is he like his friend, her friend or something? Um, he's the only girl, I mean, only boy. (laughs) Yeah. He's the only boy, well, only kid that she actually meets throughout the whole film, so. Oh, that's cool. So she kind of had like a little best friend. Well, she didn't exactly like him in the beginning of the movie, but then he, Mm. I don't want to spoil, but then they become friends. Okay, good. I'm glad you didn't spoil the movie from 2009. Which is, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> which is now on Netflix. Um, and I know we've watched it a few times, um, probably a long time ago before we really even um, 
it's kind of a rediscovery film. Like we saw it a while back and then kind of just rediscovered it again. And just, I guess watching it over and over again on Netflix, you must have some kind of creepiness going on <laughs> in your brain, but <laughs> um, I know you also rediscovered um, Corpse Bride, right? Uh, yeah. I love that movie. And it's... that actually is a Tur- Tim Burton movie. Yep. We got one, right? <laughs> <laughs> What'd you like about that? Movie? What was it about? Um, it was about, so this boy accidentally married a dead corpse and he has to, he was originally going to get married to somebody else. Yeah. And eventually, and he accidentally married a corpse and he had to figure the whole thing out. And by the end he, um, he married the original girl he was going to. Oh, okay. That's, that's an interesting kind of concept. I thought that movie was it was okay compared to yeah. like the other, the other one like the um, A Nightmare Before Christmas or even James uh, and the Giant Peach. James and the Giant Peach, or just you know this one where we're talking about the Coraline film. I kind of like that one better. Um, yeah. If you were gonna watch anywhere, any of these kind of similar themed movies like Corpse Bride, A Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, what else have we got here? James the Giant Peach and, you know, and Coraline. Which ones would you like? What's your top rated ones? My favorite movie out of those films is, I think, Coraline. Coraline? Definitely. And then what's the, what's the under there? I don't know. I think maybe James and the Giant Peach. That was a good movie. That was a good movie, too. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool. Um, do you feel like... Uh, you feel like James and the Giant Peach... Did you read the book? Um... I read parts of the book. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, maybe since we have the time on our hands, we could read the whole book. (laughs) But anyway, at this point, I think, you know, we're running out of time here, right? So I want to thank everybody from... it came from the radio for even even having us on the air with this. We hope to keep on doing this on a weekly basis, giving some opinions on films that we've done and TV shows and music and all that kind of stuff, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> this is radio. You have to speak, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe you should thank some people. <laughs> okay, thank everyone for listening. <laughs> All right. We'll, we'll, we'll see you next week. <laughs> okay. Stay safe, everybody. Hey, this is Ty Monk, a.k.a. Bruce Leroy from The Last Dragon, and you're listening to It Came From The Radio. Now, back to our show. Hello, Fun Seekers. This is Senior Correspondent Charlie Saladino with a segment I like to call Quarantine Corner. Your assignment this week, a lovely little movie which I love called Forbidden Planet. Way ahead of its time, if you're a science fiction fan, a seasoned science fiction fan, you're aware of this movie. If you are a science fiction fan and you don't know about this movie, become aware of this movie. It's a classic. It's uh, It was released in 1956, March 3rd to be exact, and it stars Walter Pigeon and Francis and Leslie Nielsen, and of course, the classic robot, Robbie the Robot. Uh, the premise is very uh, simple. It's uh, about um, a starship from the 23rd century uh, that travels to a planet called Altar 4 uh, to determine the fate of an Earth expedition that was sent there 20 years earlier. Um, they encounter a lot of strange things on the planet. Um, 
a lot of amazing things, a lot of futuristic things. Uh, it, it's very interesting. I think you will all be happy that you uh, sat down and watched this film. Like I said, if you're not aware of it, you will be very happy that you saw this film. So anyway, that's your assignment. Uh, I want you to get back to me on Facebook. Tell me how you felt about the movie. Um, and tell me if you agree with me that I believe Roddenberry got a lot of ideas from Star Trek or for Star Trek from this movie. So you let me know what you think about that. Uh, I think you will enjoy the movie and uh, I think you'll be quite happy with it. So anyway, you do that. Get back to me. Have a have a safe and healthy week. And like I said, talk to you next week. Take it easy. What's up, guys? This is Kari Payton. And you're listening to It Came From The Radio. So keep listening. Now, back to our show. So that about does it for this week on It Came From The Radio. Join us right here and every week on this radio station. If you missed any part of this show, Stop. go to our website, www.itcamefromtheradio.com. Listen to the archives. will be up any week or so. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, check us out on Beyond the Dawn Studios. And we will see you next week. You've been listening to It Came From The Radio with Mark Torres. The views of the show's hosts and guests did not necessarily reflect that of the management, owners, or staff of the station. We now return you to your earthly scheduled broadcast. <laughs>